Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. As you can probably tell if your hearing is good enough, this is not Stuart James. I am Jack Ball and I'll be hosting this week's. As Stuart is currently gaining huge dad points in Lapland with his son, isn't he, Chris? He is. He's in the snow and the ice meeting Santa. What a great experience for Stuart and... uh... Stan, so Jack is back in the chair. You've done this before, Jack, but not for a while. Not for a fair while, no. Yeah. I, I was just going to say Stu's sent a video of him mm-hmm. on a husky sleigh ride, so mm-hmm. it's very cold here, but I mean, I'm sure he's enjoying the cold a lot more out there than we are here. Yeah. But as you can already hear, Chris yeah. is joining me this week. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a lot to talk about as well, isn't there? Absolutely. Well, again, coming up towards Christmas, lots of games, lots of talking points. So, um, yeah, plenty of issues to cover. Not least the uh, the 3-0 win against uh, Morecambe on Saturday. But uh, Jack, you've done the script. You've got the questions. Let's fire away. So I thought before we talk about Saturday's mm. game, because obviously that is something that people want to talk about, the Mayflower Grandstand finally mm. opened its doors for the first time for a first-team fixture. Of course, mm. they were open for the ladies' game mm-hmm. prior to that. Um, it looked very good. I don't know what... You, I mean, you're still sat behind yes. the goal in the Bar Park end, so yeah. I don't know how well you could see. Mm-hmm. But from where I was sat in the Lindhurst, it looked, it looked good to finally have people back behind those dugouts. Yeah, it is. I mean, there was obviously only a, a certain amount of people there. They were mainly in the upper tier, weren't they, Jack? Yeah. And just some of the uh, the directors and guests, sponsors and things in, in the lower tier. But nonetheless, to see people in there, stewards there, all the lighting on... It looked the part. Um, I, I think it, it looks really good. Um, uh, I did a little uh, video clip of it uh, before the game and uh, sort of spat, uh, scanned across the ground and that got quite a few views and likes on Twitter. Maxime Blanchard, the former Argyle defender, was one of them and he, he, he was, uh, you could tell he was very impressed and uh, I, I think it looks really good. I've, I have had the chance to have a look around the inside of it, not since... It was finally completed, but when it was very close to, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly the the conferencing and hospitality area is fantastic. I mean, it's a million times better than than what Argyle had before. Really nice. Um, so I think Argyle have got a tremendous uh, facility to to use, and you know it, it'll be good to see games in the future when it's full or close to full. And obviously, Swindon Town on New Year's Day is coming up. Fast Swindon the top Argyle are in good form at the moment. You know, it'd be lovely to see the place, mm-hmm. if not full, very close to being full on January the first. And something else is not on the script, but I'll quickly mm-hmm. mention is, uh, and we've seen it before. I quite like the fact that Simon Hallett posted a picture of Jane doing some last minute <laughs> work. Yeah. They, yeah. You, you don't see a lot of owners that really get their hands dirty and do some of the jobs that mm. a lot of owners maybe pay people to do or, or, or don't want to do themselves, but they mm. really do get stuck in, don't they? I, th- I think it just sets such a good tone, doesn't mm. it, that everyone's in it together. Yeah, I saw that tweet as well. Simon um, sort of said, put a post out there if you didn't see it, something like putting the final touches to to the grandstand and it was a picture of his wife Jane who looked to be like cleaning the windows and um, they did the clean they joined in the clean up day at home yeah. before the season yeah, as well so didn't they? you know fair play they both of them are, are over from the states at the moment for for Christmas and into New Year I believe and uh, 
yeah, there's not many football club owners and their wives who would uh, would be doing things like that. So fair play to them. And just sticking with the grandstand quickly, mm. what's the situation going forward? Is it going to be 50% for Bristol yes, Rovers? I, I believe so. And then it will step up to 75% capacity against Stevenage on the 29th. And then Swindon on New Year's Day, it should be fully open. So that takes capacity up to 18,500. Um, and if Argyle can keep on the run of form that they are on and Swindon stay very close to the top, if not at the top and bring lots of fans with them, then it could be quite close to that. New Year's Day, you know, if it's a decent day's weather. Hopefully without Owen Doyle there, that would be, <laughs> be ideal from an Argyle perspective. Yeah. Um, so talking about the football, mm. obviously Derek Adams returned for the first mm. time since being sacked um, by Argyle back in April. But before we talk about him, and we mm. all talk about him a fair bit because obviously that's what a lot of fans are talking mm. about, we'll discuss the game. Mm. It was important that Argyle bounce, ignore all that sort of stuff mm. and bounce back from what was a disappointing defeat away to Cambridge last week. Yeah, they, they played poorly in that first half at Cambridge. It was better in the second half. But they did need to, to get back on winning ways. And uh, playing against the bottom of the table team is never going to be easy. They're not going to roll over and die. Mm-hmm. The, the key to it, though, is getting the first goal. And I, I did like the way Argyle started. I mean, you were there, Jack. I did like the way Argyle started the game. They had three or four corners in the first five or six minutes. It set the tone. There was no way that Morecambe were going to be able to feel their way into the game. Argyle got on the front foot, forced them back. Mm-hmm. I did think, you know, Morecambe stuck at their task. They, they made it difficult for Argyle, but once the first goal was scored, you could you could just felt as though Argyle were going to go on and win it. Of course, the, the sending off um, helped as well, um, with Richie Sutton getting sent off for uh, being the last man and fouling Don Telford as he broke through. So Don, and Don Telford deserves a lot of credit mm. for that run. Mm. That, was, that was so was quick to watch. Yeah. He was quick. Uh, last time we saw him do a run like that, he pulled his hamstring. <laughs> so it's nice to see him do that and yeah. not get injured. So obviously the red card followed by George Cooper's mm. excellent free kick. It was like a double whammy for Morecambe, wasn't it? They were down to 10 men. They were 1-0 down and then the penalty coming so soon afterwards in first half stoppage time. Anthony Sarsovic showing good character to step up and take it well, having had his previous efforts saved in the mm. FA Cup uh, tie at Bristol Rovers. He dispatched that well. And you know Anthony Sarsovic, six goals for the season that makes him Argyle's top scorer and uh, again that just shows you know what a good season he's he's having for the club uh, on one thing again not on the script but I, I noticed the, uh, the AFL question or sorry the quest show mentioned mm. the fact that I think Argyle have had 14 different goal scorers this season mm. I mean it's quite impressive isn't it I know there's not an out and out yeah. striker scoring goals but yeah. 14 different players yeah when we saw um, Ryan Lowe on Monday morning uh, to preview the FA Cup replay uh, Gary Sawyer was walking past, and he and Brian Lowe were having a bit of a, a bit of a laugh because Gary's one of those that hasn't scored, and uh, he had a chance on Saturday mm-hmm. from a corner, and I think Ryan was pointing out, well, look, we we gave you the chance, and uh, uh, it was at the far post, the corner at the far post, and and Gary headed wide. So uh, I think Gary's hoping for more corners like that that he can try and get on the end of, and add his name to the list of. Uh, players that have scored because yeah Argyle have got nowhere near anyone in double figures in terms of goals but certainly in double figures in the amount of players that have scored goals he talked about corners George Cooper obviously mm. was taking a lot of those mm. corners on Saturday we spoke about him mm. last week mm. surely I mean mm. we, we said he was player of the month for what month was it that we, from, October. Your, from your ratings October, yeah. he was player of the month for October he's impressed mm. every time he's played he's come mm. on again got man of the match performance mm. scored a goal he has to start, doesn't he? Even if mm. someone like Joe Edwards, who's had a good season, mm. if he has to make way to allow room for George Cooper, is that not the right thing to do now? Yeah, Ryan Lowe said after the game on Saturday, left wing back is George Cooper's place to lose now. Um, 
So Callum McFadden is is going to be out uh, for the FA Cup replay and almost certainly the the, the away game against Macclesfield mm. on Saturday. So George Cooper played at left wing back uh, against Morecambe. So you know there's no reason why he won't stay there for the yeah. next uh, couple of games. There is no doubt about his quality and his his attacking um, threat and his ability. I think the one concern that Ryan Lowe has and he's mentioned it a couple of times, is can George Cooper do the defensive side of things that you've got to do as a wing-back? You can't be all wing and no no back. <laughs> um, so if George Cooper can prove he can do that, then certainly for the time that Callum McFadden's out, he, he'll stay in the team. So his chance to prove himself, it isn't is. it? When McFadden comes back, then it will be interesting to see what happens because uh, Callum McFadden's been... a you know, key player for Argyle this season. One thing I did find interesting about the wing-backs on Saturday against Morecambe was that in the second half against Cambridge, it was Byron Moore on the left and George Cooper on the right, whereas on Saturday against Morecambe, the two flipped over, so Cooper was on the left and Byron Moore was on the right. But I thought Byron Moore did quite well. He's so quick, you know, he's got the pace to be a, a wing-back. He's played in a wing-back position before for Berry uh, when Ryan Lowe was their manager. So I thought they both did really well. When you're playing against a better team, a team that's likely to attack more, can you play with those two as your two wing backs? That's that's the question, isn't it? So, but and George George Cooper's you know definitely got to be in the team for the next few games, and if he carries on playing like he did, um, then um, he will have to stay in there some way or or the other. I think you know if you look at it, he could have got quite frustrated, disappointed, upset about not being in the team because he didn't really do a lot wrong to not be in the team. Mm -hmm. Um, But I liked his attitude, the way he spoke to the media after the game. You know, he was understanding of the situation. He'd clearly spoken to Ryan Lowe about what was going on. And he said something along the lines of, I trusted what Ryan said Mm -hmm. because we, you know, we know each other very well. And, you know, clearly... The chance came up, George Cooper played, and we all saw after he scored the um, the free kick, the first thing he did was run across to yeah. uh, Ryan Lowe, and we got a nice picture taken by Dave Roundtree of the pair hugging him. You know, sometimes players that have, have been dropped effectively out of the team, not for any fault of their own, might have the hump with the manager. And so I thought it was telling that when George Cooper scored, the first thing he did was race across to celebrate with Ryan Lowe, so that was a good sign, I think. Yeah, no, I enjoyed reading that piece, and I, I felt the same after reading it. Mm. Um, Derek Adams' comments yeah. after the game, Argyle fans know this well because he's done it often enough when he was Argyle manager, made for interesting listening. For those who haven't heard, this is some of what he had to say after the Argyle game. Well, Derek, a 3-0 defeat to your old club Plymouth. Uh, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, the change of the game was to send it off and um, we were, you know, really in the game. We didn't really have any trouble, you know, from Plymouth Argyle, you know, coming at us. They, they did, they created very little uh, in the first half and in the second half. They had a lot of corner kicks, shots. You'll see that uh, we off target and uh, we limited them to very few opportunities on goal. And um, they had to score with a, a well-taken free kick. And then we give a penalty away just before half time as well. So that was a sending off, a penalty and a free kick. And then they score with the last kick of the game. And when we were the whole second half down to 10 men, and what I will say is I'm really proud of my players, the way that they stuck at it. Not easy, um, because to come to, to home park uh, against a team that think that uh, you know, they should be you know, higher up the league, um, I thought it was a you know, gusty display from them. 
the ironic thing for the sending off was it's probably the first long ball that Plymouth had played all afternoon. He looked really solid with the short passing movement. The long ball seemed to just catch Richie Sutton a bit short. Yeah, I mean, we were never in trouble in the match. You know, I think that um, we limited them to few. We pressed them really high up on the pitch, didn't let them play out from the back. Then that caused them problems because they gave the ball away. We probably had... Uh, we could have got a goal uh, when the big centre half loses the ball and uh, AJ nearly gets in. Uh, and then in the second half, 2-0, uh, Alessandra has a, a very good chance. It was a good bit of play. But um, I thought Gomez this afternoon was outstanding for us. You know, a 21-year-old that uh, hadn't been involved. I took him in and uh, the way he passed the ball, the way he took it, uh, it was really pleasing to see. I just spoke to Carlos before and I just said well done to him because I thought he was a real positive for you today. Yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't even want to take him off, but I just, you know, the last minutes of the game, I was obviously trying to, to waste time at that moment in time uh, to get to the nine minutes. But I thought that, um, you know, he was very good today. I thought the whole team, you know, after the setback of the sending off uh, were magnificent. You mentioned the Louis Alessandro chance at 2-0, even with 10 men, a goal then just may have made things a bit nervous for them. Yeah, I mean, you could hear the home fans getting on the back, so the, the team, they were unhappy uh, with the performance uh, of Argyle. You know, they were obviously, you know, we were disciplined, but the passing was was slow. And, uh, you know, I think from our point of view, that's what we wanted. We didn't want the team to play against us quickly, and um, we slowed them down. And uh, I think that, you know, the fans at that stage uh, were just ready to turn on them. Looking ahead now, you've got two home games in a row. You've got to really try and take some of those, haven't you? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, we've got 25 games to go now, and uh, but what we've seen is we've seen a you know very disciplined disp uh, display today, you know, from our team, and that'll take us a long way to getting safe. Newport, of course, next week it's the the five pound offer as well for fans. Be nice for as many of them to get behind you before Christmas. Yeah, it will be. Um, I think that um, you know, it's always good to to get you know big support, and uh, we're looking forward to that. The only problem maybe you've got is that Richie Sutton sent off. He'll have a one-match ban. Sam Lavelle's got three matches as well. You are a bit short in that central defensive role. Yeah, that's what I spoke about. You know, earlier on in the season that um, you know we're we're short uh, on, on on numbers, and uh, we need to obviously address that come January. So there was some of what he had to say. One one thing he said first of all, we'll pick apart a few different bits. Argyle created very little in the first and second half. Yeah. Um, they didn't have a lot of shots on target. That's I think that's fair to say. But twenty-two mm. shots—that's creating chances, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think what you've got. I mean, I've sat in a lot of Derek Adams press conferences, mm -hmm. uh, pre-match, post-match over the years, and I suppose two points I would make is that one, you, often what he says is for the consumption of the home fans, his his team's fans, and so the way that the way that he says things isn't necessarily meant to be um, for the opposition to really dissect and break down. And two, there were occasions, and I'm sure our listeners will recall this, where you, you listen to his summary of a game and it would be different to, to what yours were. And it felt as though sometimes he was trying to um, set the tone of the narrative rather than you know responding to how people felt mm -hmm. the game went. So in, in terms of creating very little, Six shots on target from 22, I suppose it isn't a brilliant sort of on-target ratio, but you know, 22 a goal attempt, 73% possession, 13 corners, I think it was, yeah. Jack. They, 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 created, they created plenty. 
So should we read into another another mm. pe- bit I picked mm. out is he said to come to home park against a team mm. that think they should be higher up the mm. league. Mm. Should we pick much away from that? I mean, mm. we know Derek uses his words mm. very carefully, and you're yeah. right. He's a Morecambe yeah. manager now, and we mm. shouldn't forget that. But mm. will he have thrown that in there deliberately? Is it not strange to not say mm. they should be higher up because everyone fancies Argyle to be doing well this season? He he does choose his words very carefully, so you can read into you can sometimes read too much into things. Mm. But that does sound like um, a little bit of a shot across the bowels, doesn't it? Um, that's certainly a way you could read it. Um, so they, they think they think they should be a higher up the league. I mean, they do. Yeah, you know, they they do. Um, so um, whether he feels that that's they they shouldn't be thinking that way or not, but with the squad that Ryan Lowe's got and with the resources and the infrastructure and the ground and everything like that, of course they think they should be higher up the league, but. You've got to earn it, but uh, yeah, an interesting, an interesting phrase, definitely. And the last one, one mm. points out, he, mm. he also spoke about the Argo fans starting to turn on the players. Mm. Now, I was sat in the Lindhurst, mm-hmm. I didn't hear any of that. Yeah. I mean, some people have tweeted saying they didn't hear any of the grandstand. Mm. Is that a bit of a pot shot, do you think, again? Again, it looks a little bit like it, doesn't it? Now, I was sat at the back of the Barn Park end, and so there were 62 Morecambe fans, and those of us in the media, and uh, not a lot else there, so... I'm probably not great to say did the Argyle foul. I I wasn't aware of anything. Um, I thought they were they were pretty supportive of the team, enjoyed the performance. There was some some definitely some comments and songs aimed at Derek Adams and you know that weren't particularly complimentary. I mean I th- I thought the reception for him wasn't too bad, but it, it was mixed. I suppose is perhaps a way I, of I think describing the, the it. thing with managers, isn't it, is mm. quite a few people actually asked me after the game what sort of reaction did he get. Obviously, mm. that's a question that people that yeah. aren't big Argyle fans would want mm. to know. And, because the managers come out when the players are coming yes. out, you sort of don't get a chance to see what they get on their own, if that no, makes sense. No, no, absolutely. It, it, I, I did try to sort of see what sort of reaction and uh, and what have you uh, it, he got, but it is a bit difficult to tell. Um, like I say, I think you do have to take with a pinch of salt some of the stuff, not only Derek says, but lots of managers say. They, mm-hmm. they will want to try and um, set the agenda, set the tone, set the narrative for... For games and and it's a bit like in politics with spin, isn't it? And things like that, you try and spin it the right way. He, you know, mentioned how proud he was of the players and the way they stuck to their task and and all that sort of stuff. And you've when you're when the you've just taken over a team that's at the bottom of the table, you've got to try and keep the morale up, haven't you? And if you um, you know go out and I quoted as saying, I was proud of the players. They stuck at it. We caused the home team problems they couldn't move the ball quickly and this that and the other then your home audience particularly as there was so few um you know away fans there on saturday will have a an impression of the game that they weren't there but they will have an impression of the game from what the manager said and that is different to maybe those that uh, that made the long trip down from Morecambe and back on Saturday. And to, to be a bit fair to Derek Adams, mm. Morecambe did defend very well in the first, for the first 42 minutes. And in the second half, apart mm. from that last minute shot, they stopped Argyle from scoring again mm. with one man down. And, mm. you know, it can be difficult to play against 10 men, can't it? Every manager will say that. Yeah. But, you know, there, there are some positives there for him, I'm, uh, I'm sure. It, even, again, even though he probably didn't enjoy the weekend as a whole. <laughs> it was a bit like watching Argyle from a few years ago when you were away from home against one of the better sides. And, you know, Derek Adams would send his side out, make them hard to beat and, and try and play and catch teams on the counter-attack. I do remember one away game at Mansfield one year where it felt like Mansfield was just all over Argyle and they, they went, I think they 
ended up winning the game one nil. So that Steve a, Evans was there, wasn't it? It could have been a Steve Evans game, couldn't it? And that was, was a bit, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just remember you went to Mansfield and you thought, oh, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. But um, they came out with the win. It's difficult, you know. They're, they're bottom of the table. They've got limited resources. That's going to be a hard job to to turn that around. There is only one team that gets relegated this season, so I suppose that's your your aim to try and uh, stay up. Although the the possibly the other team that are, are most in in danger of getting relegated, Stephen Edge have appointed Graham Wesley as their manager for the fourth time. I think it is, or yeah. something like that. So. There's all sorts of changes at the bottom of the table. We're, we're nearly at the midway point of the season and teams know they need to start picking up points. Otherwise, they, they could those two particularly could you know find themselves adrift. And I'm sure Derek Adams will be glad this weekend is over. Yes, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? To come back to a club where you, you've done so much good work um, and perhaps have a bit of a mixed reaction. Perhaps you've, you've still not quite got over what's you know gone on not that long ago. Um, also, we should point out. I think we we know, particularly mm. you, but we mm. we spoke to Derek as we know what he's mm. like, and yeah. that must have been quite hard actually seeing the grandstand there. Something mm. he he was looking forward to being a part of, yeah. and he's now at a club that's struggling with limited finances. Mm. It it must be hard not to feel a bit yeah. bitter. Maybe not. Is maybe the right word? I, I don't, don't know. know about bitter, envious. Envious, maybe. yeah. Um, in the fact that yeah, because he was such a strong part of that, isn't he? Yeah. I I know it a little bit. You know he worked really hard for Plymouth Argyle Football Club. You can say what you like about the style of play and and did he leave Argyle any better off than when he arrived and all that sort of stuff. I understand you can debate that, but from from a point of view as somebody who put their heart and soul into mm. their football club, I've I've seen some managers you know um, that perhaps haven't done that, uh, but he put his heart and soul into that club for four years. Uh, there wouldn't have been anybody that worked any harder than he did. And as you rightly say, he was there when the grandstand was, you know, first you know conceived and and built, and he must have thought at some point that he was going to be stood in the technical area in front of the grandstand, looking out across Home Park, looking at a, a really nice ground now, and um, being part of our our manager, and he he did all of that on Saturday, except he was the Morgan manager. Yeah. And that you know you, you I think anyone would find that difficult, wouldn't you? Yeah, no matter what job mm. you do. Yeah. So we're approaching the halfway mark in the season now. Mm-hmm. Argyle at eighth with nine wins, five draws and six defeats. Mm-hmm. Two points off the playoffs and three points off the top three. Yeah. I know we've mentioned this a fair few times, but it's tight, isn't it? <laughs> it's tight, yeah. I mean, that, that just says it, doesn't it? That they're eighth in the table and yet they're three points off the top three. Um, there's games in hand here, there and everywhere sort of thing. So it's, it's not quite an, an exact... Um, sort of state of play but uh, nonetheless they're within striking distance it, it feels they're, they're a funny team because you just feel they're getting a bit of momentum and then they throw in a first half at Cambridge and, a, and an exit to City um, so I'm reluctant to get you know too carried away well it's almost like every time they've got a chance to win and get into the mm. playoffs they lose and then they're back to three points behind again but if you look at it sensibly and logically over the uh, was it five wins out of the last seven League One games? Um, they're keeping clean sheets reasonably regularly now. Their home form look, looks good. So where they're at at the moment is is encouraging, although they've still got some work to do. There's some teams that are, are, are swinging up, the obvious ones who are being strong, but you know even the likes of Northampton and people like that have had a really good run of form, haven't they? So... Uh, it's looking like, I said, we've definitely talked about this on the podcast before, but it remains true and I'm looking forward to it. I think 
the second half of the season is going to be a real old race, not just for the um, the top three places, but also the players. There could be any number of teams uh, being involved. And, you know, Argyle are in the, in the thick of it at the moment. And I don't know about you, Jack, if you had said to me on the first day of the season that Argyle would be eight, three points off the top three after 20 games with a new manager, new players and all the stuff that went on last last season and in the summer, I'd have taken that. And also, it, it, sometimes the league positioning can be a bit of a weird one because mm. some people might be like, Argyle are eight, that's not good enough. Mm. But if they were fourth and still three points off third, yes. yeah. they'll be like, oh, that's great. That's a good position to be in. So yes. it's, it's, it's so tight, isn't yeah. it? And I think mm. January will be key, which mm. we, we, we've said before. Mm. Well, we got a question. A qu- we had a couple of questions sent in. Mm. The first one from John Lloyd, who yep. is a friend of the podcast. Yep. And he's, he's, I know he listens regularly. Mm-hmm. He said, a great result, welcoming in the new Mayflower grandstand in fine style and putting the Pilgrims in striking distance of the top three spots. Is automatic promotion a realistic aim given the squad we have now? Or is a playoff position more likely? It could be both, couldn't it? I mean, I, I would say that automatic promotion is a realistic yeah, game, I, but a playoff position maybe is a bit more likely. Yeah, if they can... Um, thanks for the question, John. If they can carry on playing they, the, generally the way are, they are at the moment, it is a realistic game. You know, they're keeping clean sheets and they've got match winners in their team. Um, goals are being shared around. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they can't you know, go, can't go for it. They're three points off the top three, so that is not a, a, a big margin by any stretch of the imagination. Is a playoff place more likely? Yeah, I suppose if you were a betting man, would you say that playoffs was more likely? It's four playoff spots, three promotion spots, yeah. so therefore makes playoffs so, more likely. So, so maybe, but um, uh, sitting here right now, I, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be aiming for the top three. I've said all along, that, mm. and we all said all along actually, mm. that Ryan Lowe hasn't come here to stay in League Two. No. I think he'll be aiming for the top three. Mm. You can't, I don't think you can be three points away at this stage and not be aiming for that. So, mm. But there's a whole host of other teams that are also in touching distance, so yeah. it'll, it'll be an interesting one. Mm. Um, Ryan Lowe said in a clip we saw of him doing the team talk ahead of the Bristol Rovers friendly match mm-hmm. at pre-season that he, they won't lose many games at home park. Mm-hmm. Looking at the League 2 stats, Argyle have won six, drawn three and lost just once at home this season. Mm-hmm. They've, and they've also won their last four home games, which obviously are the 3-0 win over Morecambe, 2-1 win over Bradford, 4-0 over Leighton Orient and 2-0 over Carlisle. Mm-hmm. He's kept his world, hasn't he? Home park is becoming quite a fortress. Yeah. Well, that's a good run of form, isn't it? At home. And that is... You know, obviously a very important uh, aspect. He did make that comment in the clip. It was interesting, wasn't it? If you mm. recall, I think uh, Skybet did the 13, 14 minute video yeah. of uh, the behind the scenes and it was fascinating and he did make the point, you know, we're not going to lose many games here. He wanted to do that and he's well on the way to to achieving that. What I did like against Morecambe is that they really made that fast start and got on the front foot. And I think if you... Can do that and you've got a near 10,000 crowd and you give them something to cheer early on you can build up some momentum that will make it difficult for a lot of teams if not all of the teams in League 2 to come to Home Park and uh, and uh, get a good result so yeah it's working well they want to they want to be a possession based team they want to get into wide areas they want to get their attacking players on the ball so it's going to take you know, good teams to counter counteract that. Now, they will come up against some some opposition who who will do that. I'm sure. Uh, you know, Bristol Rovers might well be one of them in the FA Cup uh, replay on Tuesday night, and we might see a slightly different game. But uh, clearly, if if Argyle can keep that home form going, that's that's really really important to their chances of a top three finish and I think one of the differences from last season is there is so much pace in that team now and I don't mm. think there was particular. I think that was one of the criticisms last mm. year wasn't it yeah um, 
there's, there's pace up for you know you look at the likes of Telford and uh, and the wing backs and yeah it, it it's good uh, it's it's forcing teams back I think it's important that Argyle do that and make it really uncomfortable for uncomfortable for the opposing teams don't let them settle into their stride don't let them have possession of the ball don't let them get into the game and think oh this is a lovely pitch we can knock the ball around we can do this we can do that um, you know you need to make it um, difficult. Uh, the the surroundings at home part now are, are, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an opposition player, you would you probably love to to come and play on a pitch like that. Um, I mean, just a note, Jack. I mean, with all the rain we've had recently, and there was still water in the pitch before the game. Yeah, that's very true. That is very still, true. The pop up sprinklers are still there. And you think how much water does that pitch need? Because it's. Um, it's been dows lately, hasn't it, with all the rain we've had? But uh, and the Green Army play their part as well. Very yeah. hostile at times. Well, that's what you've got to do. So what was the the ground's great. So mm. if you walk in your opposition play, you think, oh yeah, I love some of this. I like this. This is nice. This is this is good. So the ground is not an intimidating factor. In sometimes when you go to smaller grounds and things like that, it can be a bit cool. Look at this. What have we come to? Whereas you come into home park as a great setting, so the team have got to set the tone by making the opposition think, oh, we're in for a long afternoon. And then the fans can add to that as well by creating a noise and an atmosphere and be partisan and hostile and, and make it really difficult so that the opposition realise that from very early on in the game, yeah, this is going to be a long afternoon. And you mentioned January briefly there. Mm. The interesting thing, I think, from an Argyle perspective going into January is because the goals were all shared about... Mm. I think for the first time in, I don't know how many years, but I wouldn't say there's any one player that I'm worried might end up leaving. Mm. I mean, it could happen, but there's always mm. been Graham Carey or Ruben mm. Lemiris or Ladipo yeah. was scoring goals, but there doesn't seem to be that worry going into this January. There's not, not an obvious one, is there? Whereas if I was Swindon, I'd yeah. be panicking. Yes, if Aaron Doyle went. No, so... That could be a benefit, though, couldn't it, for Argyle? In the past, there's always been talk about what, what happens if so-and-so leaves, but there doesn't seem to be that issue at the moment. So that's, that's good. Ryan knows knows that you know, his, his key players are all going to be here for the duration. Another question's coming from Dave Sullivan. He's name-checked you in this one, Chris. This, okay. is, a, this is a tough question right, because okay. you don't like predictions. I don't and, like predictions. And I think this season's harder than most, yeah. actually. He says, we're nearing the halfway point of the season. What are your thoughts on how the second part of the season will pan out and what are your predictions for who will go automatically oh. and who will finish in the payoff places? And then he says, come on, Chris, get off the fence. Well, <laughs> but how I, can you predict that? I quite like it on the fence, to be honest. I, I found, find it safe. <laughs> and there's other people who shall remain nameless Jack who are more prepared to speculate and gamble on and uh, be wrong more often <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've got to say though this anyone that gets yeah. the top three exactly right and the, the four that follow that uh, it's, it's difficult it's, isn't it it is the one um, team you'd say, though, for me, it's the mm. one team you'd say could run away with it is Swindon. But because mm. of the Owen Doyle situation, it, even they yeah. just don't know. It's, I just think it's so close, isn't it? It's, you know, Swindon, Exeter. Um, well, Forest Green, they've been a very good team, but yeah, they can not get winnings at home. No, and, and they've they, started to fall they've recently. They've started to fall a bit. Cheltenham have, have been doing well, but haven't had such great results at home recently. Northampton seem to be upwardly mobile at the moment. Uh, I think a lot of those teams will be fearing Northampton and Argyle mm. because they're upwardly coming whereas some are starting to drop I think if, if just say we were yeah. the Forest Green podcast mm. I think we'd be talking about Northampton and Argyle quite a bit I think we're, now we're as Dave rightly says we're nearing the halfway point of the season you've got a pretty good idea of who's good and who's not so good mm. uh, you've almost played everybody else so you've got a, a reasonable gauge of of who it is so who are going to go up automatically you can't look past you know automatic promotion 
I, I wouldn't rule Argyle out, but anyone above Argyle, it could be any of them. It's difficult to say. Have, have any of those teams above Argyle got scope to strengthen the squad in in January and maybe get a key player or two, or, or spin it the other way? Are any of those teams worrying about losing a key player? You mentioned Owen Doyle at Swindon. What happens if he went back to Bradford or was sold to... Mm. You know, some club in League One because he's doing so well. We've spoken about Argo in the past. Sometimes mm. a good, a successful mm. transfer window is keeping hold of your key players, mm. and that could well be the case. So, so I'm, um, I'm not sure we've really answered Dave's question there. No, but we'll, may, it's I, wide I, open, Dave. That, that's that's <laughs> how we're going to end that one. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have another question that's for us next prediction. time. <laughs> so yeah. we'll go to the games that are coming up now. Bristol yeah. Rovers up next in the FA Cup second round replay. Yeah. It's a very odd situation, sort of bubbling away, away from the pitch. Yeah. Um, now we're recording this, so unless unless something's happened in the last few minutes, which it may well have done, yeah. what's the situation at the moment, Chris? What's the latest that you, you've heard about? Well, it is a bit confusing, and probably by the time a lot of people listen to this podcast, events will have changed. But it looks as though Bristol Rovers manager and former Argyle defender Graham Coughlin is going to leave Rovers to take over at Mansfield too. Now, at first sight, that might seem a slightly odd decision with... Bristol Rovers sitting fourth in League One after a fantastic win against Ipswich and they achieved that without their top scorer Johnson Clark Harris who was mm-hmm. injured which makes him a doubt for the replay against Argyle on Tuesday night um, but it looks as though he uh, Coco will be going to Mansfield who are 18th in League Two I think Someone that's down there, yeah. something like that Achieving, after, aren't they? after a really uh, poor run of forms and they uh, uh, fired uh, manager John Dempster after their draw I think it was at yeah, Crewmont on Saturday, if I remember rightly. Um, as it transpires, it sounds as though Mansfield made a couple of attempts to try and get permission to speak to Graham Coughlin, um, and they were unable to do so, but they kept up the pursuit, and Bristol Rovers um, have agreed for that to happen. Um, now, why would Graham Coughlin want to swap Bristol Rovers for Mansfield? The theory is, and we haven't heard from the man himself, that his family home is in Sheffield, and Mansfield is just down the road, down the M1 from Sheffield. Can't be more than... Half an hour or something like that. And after the Ipswich game, he did mention his personal life, which I yeah. thought was very telling. So it's a lot closer mm. than, than Bristol. Uh, he's worked wonders at Bristol, probably on not great resources. And again, don't know all the figures, but Mansfield, I think, are probably known. You know, they, they have got a bit of money that they're prepared to spend on players and things like that. Nicky Maynard obviously went there in, in the summer. And also, let's not forget, this is a League 2 team mm. that are trying to poach a League 1 manager. Oh. They have to pay compensation. Yeah. So that's a signal of intent. They could well be ones that rise up they, the table. They, the they could be season. one of those teams that fly up. So obviously, it's interesting in any normal course of events, but because Bristol Rovers are coming to Home Park on Tuesday night to play Argyle, it... it it makes it particularly uh, interesting from our perspective. Uh, I, I saw that the assistant manager, Joe Dunn, who had a bit of a run with Ryan Lowe, <laughs> if you remember. I do remember. Um, will take charge of the team on Tuesday night, assisted by the backroom staff, the goalkeeping coach, the development squad coach, the first team coach. So it looks as though Graham Copland won't be at home park on Tuesday night. It looks like he'll be appointed at Mansfield. But one thing I have learned in my years covering football and football clubs is never assume anything is going to happen until it is 100% mm. signed, sealed and delivered. So that's where I say, as we sit here, it looks like Graham Cochran will be appointed Mansfield manager. By the time you will listen to the podcast, that probably will have been confirmed, but you never know. Well, Nick Tomlinson sent a question in. Again, Nick always mm. Um, mm. sends questions into us and it follows on from that. Mm. 
Does everything that's happened with Graham mm. Cochrane is is this a good time to be playing Rovers given the statements that have been made and the, and the developments? Well, does it make a difference? You could look at it like that, but players are quite a resilient bunch. They're sitting fourth in League One after a fantastic win at Ipswich, mm. which they finished with ten men because Ollie Clark got sent off uh, the midfielder. So. Um, I think they, by the, what I read, they knew that things were sort of bubbling away behind the scenes anyway. They're fourth in League One, they're having a fantastic season, they've got a chance to get into the third round of the FA Cup and have a home tie against the team from the same division as them. Um, I know where Nick's coming from and you know time will tell, but I would have thought that if, if I'm going in there and taking charge of that team, yeah, okay, the manager might have gone, might be going, whatever, but... You guys are the ones that have, have, have achieved the results out on the pitch this season. You're the one that put the effort in. You're the one that's got us to fourth in, in League One. Go and show that it's not all about the manager. That's what you'd be saying if you were yeah, Joe Dunn. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's not all about the manager. Yes, he's done a great job, but you're, you've played a big part in this too. Go out and show people that just because he is not with us, for whatever reason, we can still go out and get results. So I... I'd be wary of thinking that Rovers are going to turn up and they're going to be feeling sorry for themselves and they're just going to, you know, put up a, a half-hearted fight. Um, let's be honest, in 2019, you, can't be a, you won't be a very successful player if you're not used to managers leaving clubs. Uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I just go back to the point that Bristol Rovers are fourth in League One. At this stage of the season, they've not done that by fluke. Mm. Um, and they've got some good players. Whether Johnson, Clark, Harris is fit to play in the replay, we'll That could be we'll walking Graham Cochran not being it, there, possibly. It could be, you know, so... Uh, I think it'd be a pretty tight game. I mean, we've seen Argyle against Bristol Rovers three times. Um, <laughs> Can't already. get rid of them. <laughs> Pre-season, <laughs> EFL Trophy, FA Cup. All the games have been close. I mean, not even in the same league. So <laughs> I, I can't see any it being any different tomorrow mm. night. And obviously there's some cash at stake for the winner as well. So, you know, there's a lot at stake. It's 54, not just a home tie against £54,000 for the winners. So that's not a bad sum to have. In addition to the £36,000 that both clubs will be getting because the game's on TV. So, you know, that's potentially £90,000. In addition to the money that they got for being on the BBC uh, final score programme the first time around. So that takes you over 100000 So that's where the FA F- Cup... You can say what you like about it if you're a, the fan of a Premier League club, but the FA Cup to t- lower league teams is massive because you can make a, a, a lot of money. A six-figure sum is a lot of money to, to teams at Argyle's level. I like to call the money they're raising the Owen Doyle Fund. That's, that's probably wishful <laughs> okay, thinking. That probably wishful thinking yeah. <laughs> um, so just briefly, before we finish the podcast, mm. we can't forget that it's back to the bread and butter on Saturday. Yeah. Macclesfield away. Yeah. You're going to be driving up on Friday, I believe. Yeah. Um, that's a game that Argyle should be looking to win though, isn't it? Yep. If they want to push into those playoffs. Absolutely, yeah. No getting away from it. Would it be easy? No. Um, I watched the EFL Quest Highlights programme on um, at the weekend and Maxwell played at Walsall and had a draw. Uh, but it looked like they had a real good go at it considering all the financial difficulties they've had. Their previous home game against Crewe was postponed because the players hadn't been paid and you know it was taking a toll on them emotionally which is perfectly understandable sounds as though at least for the short term the financial issues have been resolved uh, and like I say I saw the highlights of the game against Walsall and I thought they, they gave a really good go at themselves and their goalkeeper if you didn't see it uh, a lad on loan from Wigan called Owen Jones made some absolutely terrific saves mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the highlights Jack, but he made two or three fantastic stops so um, there's clearly plenty of fight and effort still there at Macclesfield uh, so it, it won't be an easy task. They never are in League Two. 
But if Argyle are going to get in that top three, then they're going to have to go to places like that and, and win and you know keep a, a little bit like they did against Forest Green. Yeah. You know, you go to somewhere like that where uh, you've got to roll your sleeves up, win your individual fights, and then hope that you know a little bit of individual skill, a set piece or something like that can can nick you a game one nil, two one, something like that. I, that's the sort of game I'd imagine it to be, rather than our goal. A being completely under the cosh and trying to play in the counter attack, or B you know dominating the game and um, you know struggling to create you know convert the chances they create. December's a vital month though. There's so many games. It can make or break seasons. It has. Uh, it's Argyle had a good December a few years ago when they were mm. struggling. I think it was that win against Oldham, mm. and they propelled up the league. So the table can look very different in maybe two weeks' time, can't well, it? Well, we've got twenty first, twenty sixth, the twenty ninth. The first, possibly the fourth, if there's there's no FA Cup game, so that's what, five games. Fifteen points. Fifteen Table points. Look very different. You know, when we're sat here on uh, January the sixth, it will be, won't it? it the, we'll have a lot better idea of where our goals uh, season is going. That's my first day back after a two week break. So let's not let's Fantastic. not let's not wish let's not wish that away. The last question we all mm. want to know is: Will you be singing "Driving Home for Christmas" on the way back <laughs> from Macclesfield? If they win, yes. But fortunately, I'll be the only person in the car, so no one else will have to listen to it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me, Chris. Thank that's you for hosting, Jack. That's all we've got time for today. There mm. won't be a podcast next week because the dates and Christmas coming up and yeah. people here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. So myself, Chris, and Stuart would like to wish everyone that listens a very merry Christmas, wouldn't we, Chris? Yes, we would. Yeah. Thank you for for listening. Um, we love all the regular listeners. Thanks very much. Keep um, sending in the questions when you get a chance and when there's something you want to ask. Um, we had a really good feedback for the Ryan Lowe um, interview, um, which was good. So hopefully we picked up a few extra listeners since that. Hope to get some more guests in the new year. And, you know, when we're getting into 2020, yeah, we'll try and bring you as many guests. But, I mean, if you look back over recent times, Jack, we've, uh, who have we had? We've had Akos Bizaki and Ryan Lowe. And, David, you know, Norris, David Norris. David Rory Fallon, Graham yeah, Coughlin. Yeah, so um, we've not done too bad, I don't think, no. for, our, for our little podcast. David Frio. David Frio. We, we, from across, you know, we, yeah. he, he was in France. We yeah. We're going global. We're going global. We can't France as global. Like so we'll, we'll, we'll work on um, a, a few more special guests for you in 2020 and um, hopefully we'll, we'll have your uh, continued company going forward. But please keep an eye on our, our Facebook page. We'll keep you up to date when the next podcast will yep. be about. Like I said, there won't be one next week. So have a very Merry Christmas.